Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your song. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Gelsey Laurie. This week, we have special guest Katie Lohman, who is a former Playboy Playmate and ancient Egyptian artifact collector and connoisseur. I hope you enjoy this episode where we dive into her passion and love of ancient Egypt, her collection, and we go off on a little bit of a tangent about thrift shopping. Enjoy. Walk like an Egyptian. Hello, Katie. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm very good. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited when Matt said that you wanted to be on. He actually sent forward a picture that you had sent to him of your collection of Egyptian, I don't know if they artifacts or decor. Yes, I have quite a large collection of uh, Egyptian antiquities that I've been collecting for, I would say about 15 years. Oh, it's incredible. A lot of people always ask where I get these artifacts from. I actually get them from mm-hmm. uh, an auction house that's in London, you know, so it's legit. And I know that they're real because that's really important. The last thing that someone wants to do is, you know, spend their hard earned money on an antiquity and find out that it isn't real. So I had to be approved mm-hmm. through the auction house first. Then they said, okay, you can go ahead and you can join our team and purchase, you know, quite a few things from them over time. They're called timeline auction. I got to write this down. And my favorite thing to collect is actually alabaster shabtis. 
and the Shabtis are what were inside the burial chambers of the pharaohs. I have three of them. And then I have I have some other ones that are not ancient. You know, they're probably from like the 1920s or 1930s. But the actual real super old ones that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, I have three of those to date. And it took me 15 years to find wow. three. Three, yeah, 15 years to find three. Wow. I either would get outbid. That's incredible. Or they would be too expensive or, you know, just – or I'd be – late by a day getting my bid in. But yeah, so I've only managed to get three in 15 years. And I would imagine, yeah, that would be quite the competitive market. Like you said that it takes so long because I mean, I would be a high priced. I mean, the, the thing of it is, is that, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are trying to get their hands on these antiquities because they don't come up that often. Now, normally when these artifacts come up, it's because someone has passed away and somebody in their family knows a little bit about what they've got and goes ahead and sells it to the auction house, timeline auction in London. And so you have to be very patient as far as when these things become available. Mm-hmm. I'll check, you know, probably maybe once every six months, I'll check, but, and see if they have, you know, any of the, of the shop tees. But a lot of times they have maybe one or maybe one that, I, you know, I'm not interested in or, you know, for me, I really like the alabaster ones with the wax on them. Those are those are the ones that I I personally like. And what exactly is a, a shanti? A shanti is something that is put in the burial chamber of a pharaoh when he dies, and they're supposed to actually work for the pharaoh in the afterlife. So he will be buried with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these shanti's. So let's say King Tut, right? Everybody knows who King Tut is. Mm -hmm. King Tut was probably buried with about, I would say, if I had to take a guess, I could be off, but I'm going to guess about 500 of these in his burial chamber. And if anyone visits the museum in Cairo, they will actually get to see some of his shabtis. And the, again, the idea of a shabti is that it works for you in the afterlife. It does everything for you in the afterlife so that you don't have to do anything. They are looked at as like your little tiny servants and they're only about okay. you know, a couple inches tall. So, you know, I can't really see how they could get very much done. <laughs> I know. It's like magical elves, you know, how they just, you know, like, how are they going to get anything done? Yeah. Right. That's why there's so many of them. They yeah, got a teamwork. Yeah. It takes 500 of them to, you know, accomplish one thing. What if I wanted my car washed? How are you guys going to do this if you're only standing five inches tall? You know? <laughs> so obviously the Egyptian culture had some interesting ideas that we don't necessarily understand, but that's okay. You know, this was, you know, four or 5,000 years ago, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, well, yeah. And I was watching um, a documentary on, they were uncovering a bunch of different tombs and this and that, and they were explaining some of the stuff that was inside. And I saw that in a lot of the tombs, they put like miniature boats in them. Yes. And yes, some had yes. like multiple boats. And that was, it seemed like obviously miniature makes sense because you can only fit so much stuff into a tomb that, so maybe they kind of had this, like it, I think, I think they said the boats like grow to full size and they'd have like little models of little people on it to man the boat and it's supposed to sail you to the afterlife. So it sounds like they expect everything to grow. I mean, yes, they, they absolutely love to have uh, miniatures. Uh, Any wealthy Egyptian had miniatures. They also had little miniature 
dollhouses too, um, and little miniature boats and, you know, all kinds of stuff that we wouldn't really think people would have had thousands of years ago. We would never think that. We, we think of dollhouses as, you know, little girls play with them today. Well, back in, you know, mm-hmm. four or 5,000 years ago, if you were among the royal you had a collection of miniatures. You had miniature boats. You had miniature little little dollhouses. Um, and then, of course, you had other things as well. You had all your oils and your spices, and you had all your cosmetics. And, of course, even men wore makeup back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if, if you were part of uh, royalty, I mean, you had everything. You know, you had access to any and everything you wanted. You had lots of uh, cats, which were considered sacred. Of course, you had, you know, your palace and, you know, just everything that, that went along with you had the best fabric, you had the best everything. And a lot of people don't know that Egyptians uh, loved miniatures. <laughs> Sounds like, you know, I think they had a lot of time on their hands to sculpt them and carve them is what. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's like when you look back in yeah. history and you see all the artifacts, you're like, well, they just had time. Oh, they had, you know, time to just lay back in the sun and and car yeah carve things make things i mean you know if you just look at some of the jewelry that just came out of king tut's tomb alone i know the contents of king tut's tomb is valued at about i want to say a billion dollars true yeah the contents just from that tomb now if a if a tomb had been discovered by someone that had ruled longer in egypt let's say Ramses the Great, mm-hmm. if his tomb had never been touched, the contents of that in today's market could be upwards of, of $3 billion of everything that wow. was inside of it. His jewelry, his chariots, his gold, his silver, his copper, his spices, you know, just everything, all the stones they extracted, you know, everything, and just the craftsmanship of everything. Uh, unfortunately, over time, the his tomb was plundered by robbers over thousands of years. So when mm-hmm. the tomb was found, there was nothing left in it. But if it had been okay. untouched the way King Tut's was, there would have been some serious mm-hmm. loot inside of that. <laughs> Yeah, gosh. And I know it was more rare to find a tomb untouched, right? I mean, because the, the almost every tomb had robbers yeah. um, attack yes. them. And I so mean, that was, correct me if I'm wrong, that's why King Tut was so extraordinary is because they opened it and it hadn't been touched. Oh, that, I mean, that was uh, once in our lifetime type of thing because yeah um you know, to, to find a royal tomb. And that's what they all want to find is what Howard Carter found, which was an untouched tomb that still had all of the, the antiquities inside of it. Um, unfortunately, every tomb that's been found before King Tut and after King Tut may have had just little remnants of things in it, maybe some pottery. If they're lucky, maybe they find a little shabti or, you know, something like that. But there, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that there isn't another royal tomb untouched it, that's it's unfortunate i mean who knows mm-hmm. anything can happen but it looks like they're just not that's able very to true. find it right now yeah yeah and i'm sure as technology gets better and better and and it already is with how they can scan the ground and, yeah, and find so things that'll you know lead to more discoveries yeah yeah i mean it would be amazing if they were able to find another untouched tomb and you know you know what i what i've mm-hmm. always found the most fascinating is that the tombs that 
are not seeming to be discovered at this time, doesn't mean they won't be, but at this time, are the female tombs. You know, Nefertiti's tomb has never been found. Nefertari's tomb has never been found. A lot of the royal wives' tombs are not found. And even the female pharaoh, Heshepsut, her tomb has never been found. And do they have a theory on why not? I know theories have bounced around a lot about why they haven't been found. Now, they, they believe that one of the particular female royal tombs wasn't found because of the fact that she was attached to Akhenaten. And Akhenaten was the pharaoh that only believed in one god. And a lot of Egyptians were not comfortable with just believing in one god. Mm. So he was considered the heretic pharaoh. So, and she was the wife of a heretic pharaoh. So they're saying that her tomb was desecrated. They're saying that her mummy was desecrated and everything was looted. And as if she pretty much didn't exist in time, they almost wanted to erase her. That'd be like being married to like, you know, Putin and everybody hates you and wants you to be forgotten. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like, and the tomb is gone and all the evidence. Yeah, Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then, then... they don't know why Heshepsut uh, has not been found. They they have theories that because she ruled as a male and kind of pretended to be a male, there was something about that that they didn't quite sit with them comfortably. So um, they mm-hmm. tried to erase her from history as well. So a lot of the things that have her name on it were actually etched out. You know, they took the, the stuff oh, and wow. they, etched her, they etched her name out a lot. She does have some things that have remained. I mean, I thought it was pretty badass that there was actually a female pharaoh who took on, you know, the role of, um, okay, I'm going to rule now as a pharaoh. Even though I'm a woman, I'm still going to do it. So I thought that was pretty bold, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I yeah, I didn't so know cool. that actually. Yeah, like that's that's just really, you know, to me, that's that's a leader. You know, that's a strong personality and that's a leader. Um, and they just can't seem to find her tomb. All they find are little caves and things where her name has just been etched out. And they've only found like a couple of her artifacts. They found one little jar that had her perfume in it. And I guess it's still it still smells. Wow. Yeah. Would that be cool to like own something like that? That's like, gnarly. Wow. Like, you know, this belongs to a not only a female pharaoh, it has her perfume inside and it still smells after thousands of years. <laughs> yes. That would be awesome to yeah. Any any artifacts, I definitely envy your your collection. I have a sarcophagus in my house, but it's uh, not real. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine how much it would cost to get a real one. I mean, oh, geez, gosh. that would be, you know, outrageous. I mean, it'd be gorgeous, but you know, I have never, you know, invested in in having a real one. I have two of them. Do you have the really large one, or do you have like the one that stands? Like about four feet tall. Which one do you have? Oh no, no, the large one. It looks like a human. Oh, is the in, big one. In the one. Okay, I have. the big one. Now, where mm-hmm. did you where did you buy it? Because I know that they're very hard to find. That was bought at an antique store in Southern California when I was a kid. So we we acquired it from that. I remember I had my sickness. eyes on a on a large uh, sarcophagus when I was right before I actually moved out of California. And uh, the only mm-hmm. issue was it wasn't going to fit in the moving truck along with all my other stuff. So I was like, all right, mm. I can't get this right now. This is, you know, I know where to buy it. Yeah. I can't get the, I just don't have the room for it in this moving truck. I just can't do it. You know, <laughs> I know the sad parts of having a, oh, I've 
gone through that too many of times. So speaking of sarcophaguses, what – so I know a lot of times in the burial and the tombs, they were in multiple sarcophaguses sometimes. Is this true? That some would be placed into kind of a bigger one, almost like Russian doll style. Yeah, they would be in yeah, quite a few of them. And then once you – once somebody mm-hmm. was able to – open up all the different layers of the sarcophagus then there was even the death mask that was over the face and the problem what they did was they put a lot of resin and oils on the face and then put the face mask on so when they actually tried to remove the death mask from king tut they had to do it very carefully because the face mask was stuck to his actual Mm. face (laughs) Like they couldn't Not get a it off I would because want. of thousands of years of just sitting there, it turned it into concrete. So basically his face, golden face mask was concreted onto his face. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. That's crazy over time. Off. Kind of. Yeah. And so then the mummification process itself. What does that entail? I mean, I know some of it. I know they have the different jars um, with your organs that they place in it. Yes. And I believe they pull your brain out through your nose. Yes, they did pull the brain out through your nose. They felt the brain wasn't necessary in the the afterlife, which that's kind of odd, you know? Like, why would you not want your brain? (laughs) But you you need a boat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, why would you not want your brain? So they, for some reason, they just felt that the brain was unnecessary. And, of course, they kept all of the other organs in canopic jars. Um, and, of course, if you were royalty, mm-hmm. you had your canopic jars were made of the finest alabaster. And they had, you know, beautiful, you know, carvings on them. They had your name on them. So they took out your heart and they took out your liver and they took out, you know, all your body parts. And, yeah, just pretty much put them in canopic jars and made the canopic jar look beautiful and made sure that it was in your tomb for your afterlife. And like I said, the brain was considered unnecessary. The mummification process really consisted of taking out, well, the most important thing was taking out all the organs and placing them in canopic jars and then drying out the body with the resins um, and the spices to get everything out. And some also some salts because all that stuff dehydrates Mm. the body. So I believe, now don't quote me on this, but I believe the mummification process was 70 days. Um, I could be off a little okay. bit, but it was around 70 days for the whole process to be done because they had to really, really dry the person out. And then once the, the actual body was really dried out, then they could go ahead and start wrapping it. And they, you know, wrapped it in quite a few different layers you know, with the material that they used for wrapping. And then as they're wrapping up the body, they're putting amulets and an amulet is like a, like a tiny little, um, almost like a charm, like a little charm that you'd have, maybe like a charm of a heart or a charm of the sun or Mm -hmm. a charm of your cat or like any little things that were important to you in your life. So they'll take all the amulets that the royalty had and place them all throughout the body as they're wrapping them up. So they may put the little cat amulet somewhere and then wrap you up. Then they'll put another amulet there, like a little heart, and they'll keep wrapping. Then they'll put another little amulet there of a beetle, and then they'll keep wrapping. So as they were unwrapping these mummies, you know, historians and and um 
and such, they're finding all these amulets when they're unwrapping. So they're unwrapping, finding something, unwrapping, finding something. And a lot of the amulets were made out of either different types of stones or an amulet could be made out of gold. Now, um, I want Mm. you to, I'm going to ask you a question. Just, this is just kind of like to see like a guess, just something kind of fun. Okay. What do you think was the most valuable thing in Egyptian times? Yeah. I, my instinct is anything. My guess is something that's going to be like that, like that's worth nothing in our minds. Yes. You are on the right track. Wood? No, no. That's a good guess though, but you are right on the right track that we look at this today and we consider it nothing it was copper copper yes Mm. copper was the most valued commodity in egyptian time if you had even a little sliver of copper that was just the most amazing thing because supply and demand they didn't have copper they you know they just they didn't it was just mm-hmm. such a, 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 a such a, a magical thing to them to actually have copper and today geez we got copper everywhere. People throwing pennies in the street. People throwing pennies everywhere. I mean, right. we don't even, you know, we don't even think about it, you know? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. But I swear, if you took a penny, just one copper penny, and went a time machine and went back to ancient Egypt, you'd be... Wealthiest person king. in the entire place. If you had that one piece of copper, one penny is all it would take to be wow. wealthy four thousand years ago in a time machine. I know where I'm going. My first stop on a time machine trip. If you had a time machine, where would you go? My answer is 1930s Cairo. Oh, that would have been so much fun. You know what? I would be right there with. Wouldn't you. it? I'd be right there with you. Yeah, it's my first. I always ask. I always ask people that question. Um, it's actually a very typical first date question for me, and because it says a lot about a person. And the third, that's always my answer because it's. I think Egypt was. It's what we want to romanticize as that you know kind of adventure, Indiana Jones, Cairo. But it it King Tut was not too. You know, it was kind of still a hot commodity in the the. Uh, it was on the map, you know, it was really hot place to go, but they're still discovering things, but everyone still kind of has that. I don't know. It's, uh, well, yeah. it was still, it still had that a lot of mystery my... to it back then. I yes, think if there was more, there was more mystery yes. than there is now, you know, now it's, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of things have 
been found now, and which is great. I'm glad that they keep finding things. I'm glad that they keep unearthing things. But definitely in the 1930s mm-hmm. would have been, and especially just the way that people dressed in the 1930s, gentlemen dressed like gentlemen. It's exactly, that's my favorite era. Yeah, like Ugh. gentlemen dressed like gentlemen. Yeah. Women always dressed nice, you know, it. Be- what a beautiful time. People actually took an interest in how they presented themselves to go somewhere. I mean, one thing that really pisses me off now is you'll see this really gorgeous high-end restaurant, right? And you see somebody walk in with like a dirty shirt, a dirty pair of jeans and tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where's your respect? You know, the person that owns this place, yeah. they're trying to create an effect. They're trying to create a vibe and you're just destroying the vibe because they'll let you in, in your t-shirt, your dirty jeans, your smelly hair, whatever. You know, you're not a gentleman, you know, take the time. If you're yeah. going to go to a nice restaurant, take the time play the pride in good. I absolutely a hundred percent agree being in so many, um, live entertainment for the past 15 years. Um, I recently was in Vegas performing for Cirque and it was amazing. You know, these tickets are hundreds of dollars. We've all trained for so many years to be the top elite athletes that they can see perform. And it, there's nothing more disheartening to look out and see like a sweatshirt and a ball cap. And I'm like, are you serious? Like you're kind of disrespecting us. Like, yeah. it, there's no, I, I feel like when you show up somewhere and, and you're not dressed, it's not about having a lot of money. This isn't about being wealthy. Mm-mm. This is about, you know, having respect for the fact that, you know, you're, you're in an environment, like you said, where the tickets are, you know, expensive and everybody's worked really hard on this and there's some presentation involved. So you gotta, you gotta, Mm-hmm. you know, show up and play that part, you know, like where, mm-hmm. where the nicest thing that you have, you know, have some respect. I mean, some people, you know, they show Absolutely. up and they show up at the opera house, you know, looking terrible, you know, don't, don't go to the opera house, like looking mm-hmm. like you just rolled out of bed. No, that's, that's go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. No, I know. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, it does. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. And I'm someone that, yeah, my friends will be like, whoa, where are you going? And I was like, Starbucks. They're like, why do you have heels on? I was like, because I wanted to. But it's um, that's what I think I love about, too, the ancient Egyptian culture and civilization is that everything was so glamorous and pomp and circumstance and kind of going back to just talking about dressing the tombs. I mean, it was the finest. And because they had the respect of this pharaoh that died and into the afterlife. And it's it's really putting in the all to everything. Uh, well, it really set the bar really high. And obviously, thousands of years, mm-hmm. the bar has dropped a lot lower. And I always want to emphasize this because people always misunderstand. It's not about money. It's not about buying mm-hmm. a dress no. that's thousands and thousands of dollars. It's about, you know, buy mm-hmm. the dress that you can afford, but own it. You know what I mean? And enjoy it. Yes. And enjoy the thing that you're going to. I just bought a dress for $10 last week and it looked amazing but i put a big flower in my hair and lipstick and it was like yeah everyone's like where did you get that i was like yeah it's all about how you put it together and i say this all the time to the younger girls that are getting into the entertainment industry i said listen don't waste your time buying dresses that are thousands thousands of dollars especially since you Mm -hmm. may wear it on the red carpet and you're only going to wear once you know and then you may wear it on vacation but you know, don't, you don't have to do that. It's, it's not necessary. One Mm -hmm. dress that I got the most compliments on 
It was $5 and I bought it at a thrift store. And I don't know who made it because there's no tag, you know? Oh, for all I know, yeah, the that's lady the best. Made it. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I have a huge thrift store vintage collection. I have a problem with vintage hats. I cannot walk into an antique store without a new hat. Do you love going um, into thrift stores and like finding weird stuff? I love doing that. Love it. I I love if I have time off or I'm bored, I go into antique stores. Yeah. It's so much fun. You know what I found at an, okay. I'm in Arkansas now, right? I'm an LA girl, but I'm in Arkansas now. Let me tell you, there is some serious they don't know what a lot of times they don't know what this stuff is. They're just like, I don't know what that is. You know, what's that? You know, I found a lamp that has mm-hmm. like the it's like it's a Tiffany lamp and it has it's actually made of all the real glass. You know how today they make it out of plastic. They they try to make a Tiffany lamp. Yes. Yes. So I found like it's not an actual Tiffany lamp. But it's like the old style. It's probably from like 1925, but it's all made of glass. Mm-hmm. And the base of it is all iron. And it sits probably about six feet tall. Oh, wow. I got it for $25. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> you, you don't even understand. Here in the South, they don't know the treasures that they have. They just don't know. Oh, that would be a fun road trip to to get a big truck and go around some small towns, antique yes, stores. Yes. Cause this I'm in a small town. So I'm like finding mm-hmm. the most fantastic stuff. I mean, as far as the clothes, a lot of the clothes I find still have tags on them, you know, and I'll go to, you know, certain different little areas, um, you know, probably kind of by the lake where it, when people donate stuff, they are donating, you know, like I said, like maybe like pictures or nice lamps or, you know, clothes or like, you know, whatever. I mean, there is just some serious treasure out here. It's amazing. Like California is good, but the problem That's... is there's so many people in California that everything gets eaten up too quick. Yeah. It's either gone or it's overpriced. I've been to a lot of amazing stores and I'm like, I, that's, I'm not paying that. <laughs> you know, I found real. Yeah. That's, you know, I, out here, I found real velvet Ralph Lauren red sandals for 10 bucks. Are you serious? Yes. They don't know what they have even, here. They just, they just throw it all in they a don't, pile. Yeah. They don't know what they have. And kind of think it's all the same of, yeah, the junk. Oh man. Well, that's good to know. I really, I would never think to go if I'm visiting family or this, that in, in smaller towns to check out the antique stores. That's yeah. Cause the smaller towns that. and they keep the prices really low because it's really important that they get the money because they use the money for like local charities. Like they might use it for a house for battered women, or they might use it for mm-hmm. education for kids. So when they're selling stuff out here in the South and they're selling it so cheap and they don't know what they have, they just want the money quickly so they can put it into some of their services. They're not thinking of 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 making it fifty dollars so that it won't sell because they really mm-hmm. just need the money coming in for their education programs and their you know battered women programs. Mm-hmm. So they're just they're just trying to get rid of stuff. So I have just found yeah just so much great. I have found oh, some really nice actual solid beautiful furniture from like the 70s. You can't even get that stuff now. Everything feels so cheap. Yeah. No, everything's made so much cheaper now. That is one thing I do like about everything at vintage stores. You get good quality, but um, it's yeah, it was much more durable and oh, it's so much more durable. I mean, much better. It's so much, so much. I mean, if you go to a brand new furniture store right now and you try to 
find something super solid, you're not really going to find anything. It's even at a nice furniture store, it's still to me kind of has a cheap feel to it. So I was like, look, Mm -hmm. I don't want to buy this stuff from here. So I actually went around to all these like secondhand furniture places. Now it takes time, you know, to find good stuff. You know, it doesn't happen right Mm -hmm. away. But I found a gorgeous coffee table from the 1970s. And that is the most solid piece of wood I've ever felt in my life. I mean, I can stand on it. I could jump up and down on it. You know, that thing is not going to crack. Yeah, you don't want to do that uh, with Ikea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, you're not getting Yeah, if you drop that something at Ikea, you're going to fall right through it, you know. Yep. I can jump on it, I, you know. Uh, and I found some just gorgeous, perfect condition going to estate sales. I found some perfect condition chairs. Mm-hmm. And these chairs, I mean, they just feel like they're just so solid. I mean, so solid. They're probably from the 60s, I would say. I can't, I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. say exactly, but I'm going to say that, yeah, these chairs are from the sixties. I have found some exquisite lamps that would cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in a, you know, regular retail store, 10 bucks, 50 bucks, $50 was the most <sighs> I spent. Uh, I found a lamp. You're going to love it. That's I found crazy. a lamp that looks like, um, it's got, and it was on sale and it's at a secondhand like furniture place. Basically it's a, it looks like it's from the 19, maybe 20s or 30s, and it has a mm-hmm. bird, like a like a little statue of a bird on it. And then it has all these beads that come mm-hmm. down, and it almost looks like a bird cage, but it's a lamp. Ooh. Yes, it looks like a bird that cage. That sounds awesome. Something I love, too, and kind of tying back into Egypt is when you can find some stuff from the 30s and 40s because Egypt had re- surfaced as the kind of hot popular I think you said it mystery you know after King Tut's tomb came it was it became popular fashion I mean homes were decorated with Egyptian style and this that so it's fun that there's a lot of stuff that obviously it's not going to be as old as thousands of years so you kind of get a little newer but um still a lot of stuff from the 30s that have so much Egyptian influence and I love when I can find one of those well, yes, or I think they though. called that the Egyptian revival period. Mm-hmm. And that was when, yeah, Egypt yeah, it was, the re- it was the revival of the Egyptian culture. And yeah, I, I think I want to say it started sometime in the 20s after the, the tomb was discovered by Howard Carter. And then it went all the way up through the 30s. And you know what would have been so cool is, I guess, in, mm-hmm. in London, what people would do in the 30s in London is they would buy a mummy that was unwrapped and they would do like a big dinner party, you know, maybe at their estate and they would have an unwrapping of the mummy after their dinner. Oh, party. Gosh. Did they not watch the movies? Don't they know what kind of trouble they're getting into possibly? <laughs> I, was, I just thought, what a, That's what a crazy, you know, thing where they purchased what it because a it was rich man's dinner entertainment. Yeah, they would, they, dinner. Yeah. It's like, instead of dinner in a movie, it's dinner and a and a mummy unwrapping, you know. <laughs> I'd be like, can we eat first so I don't lose my appetite after what we find under the wrappings or just so That's crazy. Just the whole crazy. you know no more dinner in a movie. We're just gonna have someone unwrap this mummy. And I can only imagine like what it would smell. Like. Go to one of those. Oh gosh, that has to be just horrendous. I don't know it's... if it would smell bad or if it smell or maybe okay not because yeah, it has all the oils it's... on it. You know, all the all the you know, the scented stuff. The Egyptians use a lot of spices and oils that actually smelled really good. 
um, like frankincense mm -hmm. and myrrh. So I'm going to say, mm -hmm. if I had to guess, I would think that a, that a real mummy being unwrapped might smell like frankincense and myrrh and like dirt, dirt, mm -hmm. frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I would definitely say that's what I would put my money on as well. That's, um, well, I kind of mentioned the mummy real quick, uh, as a reference of the movie, but so being into ancient Egypt, do you have a favorite film? Oh, um, uh, there's been so many oh, made. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. I, I have a huge schoolgirl crush on Tom Cruise. So I have to say, okay. The mummy that he was in, it, it came out, you know, just a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, where Sophia Butella was the, 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 the mummy, the, the bad character. Yes. Yeah. It came out. Yeah. It came out. I don't know, maybe like what, five years ago or something like that. But I, I think so. yeah, the last 10 years kind of all cool girl crush on him that there's no way that that couldn't be my favorite Egyptian funny. mummy movie. Yes. Cause that's how I feel about. So Brendan Fraser is my all time school girl crush. Like I'm absolutely in love with him. So oh, really Brendan Fraser, really? I love him. I am in love with him. Oh, that is so adorable. <laughs> I mean, I hate his yep. mummy movies were awesome. I mean, they were awesome. I love them. Oh, they were so good. Yeah. The the first two I I would go through phases where they were kind of my comfort movies. You know, I have a they don't leave cute the story. TV. Um, you know the the actress that was in the mummy with him? Rachel. Uh, Rachel Weiss? Yes. So I went yes. I went to a movie premiere years back for one of her movies. And I remember I'm standing on the red carpet and I turn my head and I see her standing there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the girl from The Mummy. I was like, this is so amazing. She is stunning in person. I mean, just absolutely. Stunning. I mean, like, my heart stopped. Yeah, I do love – oh, I'm glad to – yeah, sometimes people are gorgeous on screen and in person. You're like, whoa, makeup department did a good job. But, yeah, she seems like someone that would be beautiful. I mean, I love her in those films. I love – a past film she's done too. And she was most recently in the black widow movie and she was phenomenal. She looks amazing. Yes. And it was great um, that she went on yeah. to do a bunch of other movies after she did the mummy, the mummy was like her breakout role. And then it was great that she went on to do yeah. a bunch of other stuff, but I just, Oh my gosh, just yeah. seeing her in person. I was just like, Wow. She's just so beautiful. And of course, I mean, we can't ignore the classics and the Cleopatra's, you know, and spectacle and epic. But I just, I need my time machine. I mean, I would definitely want to okay. go back to ancient Egypt as well, even though it would be a little scary. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it would definitely be a scary thing to go back 4,000 years. Um, you know, there's no penicillin, yes. you know what I mean? There's no, you know, there's none of that, you know, yeah. I, but I would at least want to experience what it was like. I mean, I could, I wouldn't Absolutely, want to, I wouldn't yeah. want to Is get there... in a time machine and go live there permanently. Right, right, right. I always say yeah. it's like a vacation. I tell it's people you have yeah, a I'd time machine, you get a week vacation. Yeah. And I actually make a magical rule that you won't die. I'm like, don't you know, get stabbed. But like I said, if you get a paper cut, you're not going to die for the reason you just said, because any, any time we go back past, you know, a hundred years and it's like, eh, you're going to, anything could kill you. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, they don't have all the, yeah. you know, stuff that you might need, you know? <laughs> well, gosh, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about ancient Egypt and all the 
You are so welcome. Of thrift stores. Where can we find you if you want listeners to reach out and say, hey, or you know, see what's I, going on? The only social media that I actively do is Instagram, which is real Katie Loman. Mm-hmm. And Loman's L-O-H-M-A-N-N. I was weirdly sitting here, and part of me was thinking, what do we do for the outro? (laughs) And at one point, I was like, can I learn King Tut on the guitar and just have Gelsey sing it? King Tut. I loved listening to that episode, Get Recorded, Gelsey. She knows a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and It was so fun. She's just fun. It's very, it was very fun. It was a fun little recording. She was a great guest, super knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. I I don't even have a follow-up question for us, honestly. That was a good one. I think that's one of our best. Yeah, I really, (laughs) you know, it might be. I feel like every week we say that, but it's just getting better and better. No, it was super fun. I love, (laughs) so damn good. Don't you guys all think we're so good? If you do, leave us a five-star review. Is So here's one, because how often are we ever really going to talk about Brandon Fraser. I think his name is pronounced Brandon Fraser. Fraser. Sorry. Sorry. Fraser. I trust you. I just want to respect him because he's going to be my husband one day. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I could see you as Gelsey Fraser. So excluding the mummy films, okay. what would you say is your most watched Brandon Fraser movie? George of the Jungle. Like hands down. I watch it at least once a month if not more, it's like a comfort film for me. I know it's silly. I just want to throw, I was just having this conversation with someone about him that um, he obviously kind of got into like a franchise career with the mummy. He got into kind of his goofy did Dudley do right. He did George of the jungle and, and kind of those fun zany uh, journey to the center of the earth adventure. But he is a fucking phenomenal dramatic actor. And I, I want to say a few months ago went on like a binger where I watched almost all of his films and was it of Monsters and Gods? I mentioned it on the Frankenstein episode because it's kind of about the director. That one, um, School Ties, of course. A few Like, he is a blow-away dramatic actor. So I just, I don't think he gets the props that he deserves in that category. Having said that, George of the Jungle is but, probably my most watched film no, aside I from The that, Mummy that he's in. I think that that's fine. I, I remember at that time, like, I was... Because, like, those were movies that immediately were, like, getting mocked when they came out by, like, the public and the critics. But, like, I think that and Dudley Do-Right are, like, they nail the tone of what they're being an homage to. That's what people have to realize. They're like, oh, it's so silly. And I'm like, do you understand the cartoons that they're – it's like the Flintstones movie and this, that. There's obviously zany things. They're doing a really good job keeping the feel of the cartoon. I think they were done so well. And um, George's Jungle, I'll I'll make friends rewatch it because they're like, oh, that wasn't that stupid. And they laugh. They're like, oh, I'm like, no, the writing is brilliant. Like when they bad guy falls in poop, this is the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? <laughs> Ready? Ah! Like it's so good. And he was like one of my first crushes now that I'm really because it came out. I was I think I was like six years old when it came out. And he's, you know, very not clothed in that movie. He's very... <laughs> <laughs> slightly misted bronze tan with this like surfer Tarzan long hair, which I have a thing for Tarzan now. Like I, it makes sense. Cause 
this movie I saw at a young age and loved it. And so, and I think that's why I love him so much and have such a crush because he was like oh, one of my first. I can't believe that this wasn't on our long list, but as soon as you said Dudley Do Right, I was like, we need to do a Rocky and Bullwinkle episode at some point. Because- oh my gosh. <gasps> yes, I love Rocky and Bullwinkle. So God, I, I love it. I, last Christmas, I got the full series on DVD. Like it was like this giant box set of every short that they ever did. And it's, oh my gosh. it's I so, wanna the writing is Natasha so, so bad. fucking brilliant on it's, that show. The, those cartoons are just like, the writing is so good and the humor style is incredible. Dude, we're totally doing a rock. <laughs> yeah, we're put, I'm putting that on our list right now. But uh, if people have other show ideas that we should be talking about on Before My Time, where's the best spots for them to tell us? The best spots are on the Instagram. You can find us at before my time underscore podcast, or you can find us on Facebook. Just search before my time. We will come up. Please let us know what next topic you'd like to hear, or just tell us what your favorite Rocky and Bullwinkle episode is. That's chill. Please again, leave us a five-star review. You know, give us those thumbs up. All the things helps us out a lot. We really appreciate you guys and all your time you spend listening, and we hope you enjoy and join us next week for another episode. come in. I'm Shane O'Hare of the Geekscape Games Podcast, the number one video game podcast on the Geekscape.network. Join myself, Derek Krenevelt, and a guest every fortnight as we discuss video game news, video game reviews, and dissections. That's Geekscape Games every two weeks on Geekscape.net. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.